Hello, and welcome back to Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and what I'm doing right now is working my way through a series that's all about Batgirl and Robin, or more specifically, Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson. And as a matter of fact, this episode is the very last episode in this little mini-series that I'm working through, and then after this, I'm going to be moving on to other things. <sighs> Basically, what happened was, I guess about the, by about the time I'm recording all of this, uh, I want to say it was about a year ago that I went through this little Batman reading project, and in the course of doing so, what I discovered was that there was this subplot between Babs and Dick that had somehow eluded me all of these years. This whole idea of Barbara and, and Dick Grayson having some sort of a romantic relationship with one another, or I don't know, as some, I, I guess you think of it as a, an unrequited mutual love. Truly, I never knew anything about it, and the reason for that was because I ended up kind of tuning out of Batman comics after a while. Uh, partly by desire, partly by necessity. So this was one of those things that I had just, for whatever reason, never completely grasped in all that time. So when I went through this reading project that I was talking about, it somehow... I don't know, I think it hit me harder somehow because of the fact that this was so new to me and and it kind of sidetracked my reading project of Batman comics and kind of went off in its own direction as reading projects are kind of want to do. You know, I don't know how many of you listening have ever had this experience where you think you're starting one reading project, but the reading project you actually end up embarking upon is something quite a bit different. And that's pretty much what happened here. So... I ended up basically chasing down a bunch of different uh, comics that feature Dick Grayson or Babs or both. And this was sort of the, I guess, culmination of it. The two comics we're going to be talking about today are where that little reading project of mine sort of ended. Now, there could be more to it than all of this that I just have never gotten, uh, gotten around to reading. I don't know. But these are the ones that I found. And so... Uh, because of all of that, these are the ones that you know I've talked about through the course of this miniseries. Now, as it goes for this episode, the first comic that we're going to be talking about is Birds of Prey, number eight. And cover date is August of 1999. Cover price is a buck ninety-nine. Let's see here. Uh, writer is Chuck Dixon, as might be expected from a lot of these comics that I've that I've discussed. Uh, penciler is Greg Land. Inker is Drew Varachi. Colorist is Gloria Vasquez. Letterer is Albert T. De Guzman. Separator is Digital Chameleon. Associate Editor is Joseph Illage. Editor is Jordan B. Gorfinkel. And, and again, just in case uh, you missed it before, Birds of Prey, number eight. This starts off with Black Canary running around what's left of Gotham City, I guess basically the ruins of Gotham City, after No Man's Land, or I should say during No Man's Land, because I think that's pretty much the era that we were in by this point. And she basically radios in to Watchtower to make contact with Oracle, only to end up speaking to Nightwing. <clears throat> and and uh, Nightwing recognizes Black Canary right away, but she doesn't know who he is. And all Nightwing is really saying is that Babs is occupado right now. And so this leads uh, Black Canary to ask if her mystery gentleman, Nightwing, and Babs are, are friends or more than friends. And all Nightwing can think to himself is, you know what, that is a good question. Which, of course, leads into a flashback where we see a Nightwing zipping across Bloodhaven, uh, rushing across town, trying to meet, uh, meet up with uh, Barbara Gordon. 
they have coffee, and then after that, they go to uh, the Haley Brothers Circus, where, among other things, uh, it comes out that this isn't exactly a date as such, but it's not not a date either. It's, I don't know. I mean, look, I freely admit that my 20s were, well, they were what they were. And then, and there were instances where, you know, I'd spend time with uh, a girl and it wasn't explicitly a date, but it wasn't not a date. You know, does that make sense? I mean, I'd really hate it if I'm the only one or if me and Dick are the only ones who've ever had this experience where you go out with somebody and it's like you can cut the tension in the air with a knife, you know, that for whatever reason, it's there between you two, but you're not, you haven't actually started up with each other yet. You may or you may not in the very near future, but at least in that moment, there's nothing express or implied in terms of that evening and the time that you're spending with one another. I, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining this, but I don't know. It's, it, it's like a non date, I guess. I don't know. Anyway. So during the course of their conversation though, it comes out that Babs is, she's not, sensitive, but I guess she's sensitive to people being sensitive to her. Does that make sense? You know, this whole let's tiptoe around Babs, don't upset Babs, you know, and she's, it's not that she resents it. It's just that she's not particularly fond of it. And I find, you know, the, the handicapped people that I've met in life, they kind of have this, this attitude about it where they're not trying to be jerks about it, but they don't want to be treated like they're made of porcelain either. And so, you know, there's this weird sort of middle ground you're supposed to walk where you need to be, I guess, mindful and respectful of their disability. But at the same time, you aren't supposed to talk to them like they're a complete friggin' retard, which is a completely reasonable thing to ask for. So, you know, needless to say, I mean, I'm not breaking Babs' balls about it. I just, I don't know. Anyway, so that's basically what they're doing. And, you know, hashing through, I'd almost want to say that it's sort of like the terms of their association. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss to, to put it into words. I mean, it's one of those things that the minute you read it, yeah, understand what they're going for here, but it's, it's one of those things that it just kind of defies words. I mean, they're not defining the relationship as the kids today are want to say, but it's basically Babs is trying to lay down, you know, the rules for Dick that she doesn't want to be treated, I guess, basically like an invalid. Maybe that's the best way to put it. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, Dick Grayson's business practices vis-a-vis -vis corporate sponsorship come into a question before his general manager meets up with them and they talk shop for a little while before they all go their separate ways and Babs kind of questions Dick I guess Dick's ownership of the Haley Brothers Circus because you know, there is a, there is a degree to which, you know, it is kind of a weird thing to buy the place where your parents, they didn't just like, not just where they died, but where like specifically they were murdered, you know? And when you think about it, that is a sort of a weird thing, but Dick's response to that is, look, their killer met justice. And so I am keeping the circus alive in their memory. And this is used as a point counterpoint between Bruce Wayne and Babs and Dick, where they feel the pain of what they've lost on this sort of internal emotional level. But end of the day, this is not what drives them. This isn't what motivates them. It's not what defines them. And so on the one hand, it's one of those things that I don't think either of them are ever going to be able to completely forget about. But at the same time, it doesn't, 
affect every decision that they make. And this is not really the case with Bruce, whose entire life, you could reasonably say, his every move, his every moment, his every decision, his every word, his every action, his every thought, his every deed, all of these things are, they all go back to Crime Alley and watching his parents get shot to death whenever he was a child. That affected him in a way that Dick and Babs's tragedies have not, manifestly have not affected them. And it's really, I guess, it, it comes down to a, just a difference of, you know, of who these, who, who these characters are as people. And the... And I guess the circumstances that they live in, you know? And so, I mean, yeah, I guess there is the sort of analytical uh, factor of it. it. You know, yes, Dick is always mindful of it. And yes, Barbara's always going to remember that moment every time she answers a door. But at the same time, they're not, they're not being destroyed by this. Does that make sense? Anyway, so they hash through all of that. And then... Dick asks Babs, not Oracle, not Batgirl. He asks Barbara Gordon, what's the one thing you can't do now that you wish you could? And she says, swinging around on a zip line, pretty much is, that's what, if she could get anything back, that'd be it. And she asks this, or she mentions this, to the owner of a circus who is himself a trained acrobat. You may be able to guess where this is going. So, next page, and this is page 15. Page 15 shows Dick in part of his uh, Nightwing outfit and Barbara in... I don't know what this is. I guess this is somebody's leftover circus outfit. I have fucking no idea. They're both swinging around on a trapeze together. And Barbara has her legs uh, tied together with uh, towels so that she can try to maintain her balance as best she can. And, you know, if you just look at the smile on her face, it's pretty clear that she's having the time of her life as she's, you know, swinging around on the trapeze with, with Dick. And this is, there's this moment, it's on, uh, this is page 16, panel three, that moment when they, when they swing from one trapeze to the next, that moment when they're kind of in free fall and Barbara just has this huge smile on her face. It's, this was the exact thing that she missed from her days as Batgirl when she it was almost she says it's almost like having wings and so anyway uh, from there Dick bails out and he basically decides that he's gonna catch Barbara he's gonna have her swing out by herself and then he's gonna meet her in the in the middle of the ring and catch her there and she has to kind of screw up her courage and work toward it. And honestly, I say this not to criticize because who among us would be any different? I mean, if I was paralyzed from the waist down, if you think I'm getting on a trapeze, you're out of your fucking mind. Actually, hell, I don't even have to be paralyzed. My legs work just fine. If you think I'm getting on a trapeze right now, you're out of your fucking mind. So right, right there, Barbara's got bigger balls than I do. So she eventually screws up her courage, swings out to the uh, to center ring, uh, Dick catches her, and then they they swing back to, I don't even know what you call it, that little platform at the top of the uh, trapeze pole. Uh, that that panel right there on... Why don't they number all of these fucking pages? Yeah, this is page 20, panel 3. Yeah, the symbolism there should kind of speak for itself. <sighs> you know, the that big wooden support beam sticking straight up in the air while Nightwing and Babs are cuddling with one another. Yeah. So, moving right along, I'm guessing after they, shall we say, changed clothes, uh, Dick once again asks, 
you know, does this have to be an isolated thing, you know? I mean, his point is, you know, Babs doesn't seem to mind putting her life in his hands, but somehow the idea of a date scares her. And Babs just turns, looks at Dick, and she says, it's more than a date with us. It always has been. And this was the moment I get, and I guess it took something this friggin' blunt for me to really get it, but this was the moment when I realized that, you know, everything that we've talked about in this miniseries up, you know, up to now, everything that's happened, it all kind of turns on this, on this single panel right here on page 21, panel three. Again, Bab says, it's more than a date with us. It always has been. You know, this isn't a casual thing. I mean, this is where their story is epic. I mean, we're talking continent spanned, bloodshed. I'm fucking epic, you know. And let's face it, that takes a little while to kind of build up to something like that. And that's kind of Babs's point, especially considering the lives that they both lead. I mean. Shit, thinking about it from that standpoint, it's kind of hard to argue Babs's point. So, any case, we flash back to the present moment, and Black Canary's once again saying, you're not giving me any details, just, we used to date, and that's it. And so, Dick says, nope, that's about it. And Black Canary says, goodbye, Nightwing, right about the time that Babs wanders back into her office and starts getting back to work, but she does thank dick for covering for her while she took a nap or took a shower whatever the hell that was so oh no actually says thanks for manning the line for me i needed to sleep so there you have it i guess she was taking a nap so anyway this is sort of a it almost feels like this is a little bit of a pit stop in 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 terms of you know all of these different comics and things that i've talked about i mean you know starting with uh, robin annual number four and then the Gauntlet, Robin Year One, Batgirl Year One, the Batgirl One Shot from 1997, and then uh, Girl Frenzy, Batman Adventures number 12, 14, 18, and 26, Nightwing Year One. This almost seems like it should be a pit stop, except that this is not quite the culmination of this whole miniseries, which, I, if you notice, I've tried to go through as chronologically as I possibly can. But more that this is the moment when you realize that maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but Babs and Dick, their day's gonna come, you know? And this is just, I mean, there's, there's so fucking much that's epic about this that I'll be honest with you guys, I never knew. I mean, I, first off, I was never a big you know, Birds of Prey fan to begin with anyway. But, I mean, I guess to, like, to the degree that I was even, like, passing, like, like, somewhat passingly aware of this title, I just didn't really pay it a whole lot of attention, you know? And so, you know, quite apart from the fact that, you know, this was just a damn good issue, it actually kind of makes me want to check out, you know, the rest of Birds of Prey and, you know, see how it measures up. I mean, I'm sure not every issue is like this, but, you know, I'm can't be too bad so i don't know something to think about for the future if nothing else so anyway so that's about it at least for right now what i'm going to do right now is i take a break and then when i come back i'm going to talk about nightwing annual number two so stay tuned be right back after these messages see you there welcome to comic book fight club 
My name is Jif S. Fishman, Esquire. And I am Gene Theodore Hendricks. Here at Comic Book Fight Club, we sit fireside, sipping our brandy, and discussing who would win in a bout of fisticuffs with other members of the comic book Illuminati. Yes, you caught us at a good time as Kevin Smith, Stan Lee, and the late Bob Kane just went on a beer and nacho run. Have you ever wondered who would be victorious in a bout? Galactus or Unicron? How about the Incredible Hulk versus the Monster Doomsday? What about G.I. Joe versus the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or the equally important bout of the Snorks versus the Smurfs? And of course, the Titanic duel between Archie and Jimmy Olsen. And you can expect the intelligent and erudite debates to sound something like this. But I always thought Transformers fans were intelligent and literate, so they should see that Galactus has to be the winner. Like, he's hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to get weaker, and and, and and Reed Richards is going to be able to beat me. I don't know if I need to go out Rob, other than uh, he was defeated by Parker Brothers. Oh, it's, I mean, back, to, back to one of Sean's points, saying he got out of the, out of the Silac. You know, every time he's gotten out of that in any story, he has to get put back in it because he's a bitch. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, ah, ah, ah. No. No. She, oh, I tap she, out. I tap out. You are a sick, out. sick man. I'm not familiar with the last one. I need. I might um, have to hit Google Image Search here. So won't you join us for some witty discourse, a fine snuff, and a tincture of sherry? as we debate over these all-important matters, here only on Comic Book Fight Club. You can find the show at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes by searching for Comic Book Fight Club. Please also join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash comicbookfightclub. Okay, I'm going to do the promo now. Really? Finally. Okay, let's do the promo. What do you mean, let's do the promo? I'm the one who has to do it. Well, can I with it then? Okay, okay, here we go. <clears throat> Iron Man. The Incredible Hulk. The Mighty Thor. The Captain America. Wow. Being dramatic there, aren't we? Do, do you think it's too much? Should I back off? No, 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 you're fine. You, you're good. Okay. You've seen the Earth's mightiest heroes in the Avengers franchise of films. Now you can enjoy the stories that have inspired those films through the magic of comic podcasting. Magic of podcasting? You sure about that one? Well, yeah, because, you know, we're awesome. Like, magic. Only without actually seeing any magical things. Just go with it, go with it, go with it. Okay. Don't forget to tell them what we're actually doing on the show. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So join Lily Wilson, the awesomest teenage comics fan in the world, mm -hmm. as her father takes her through all the early comics that feature characters from the Avengers franchise of films. And some that aren't in those films yet, but will be. Because we started with the anime before we had a full film. Oh, well, yeah. And don't forget Spider-Man. He's not looking at Avenger, but he's there. Oh, okay. So, um... Maybe it should be that feature characters that have been, are currently, or will one day be in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Better. And where should they go not see this magical podcasty goodness? New episodes can be found... <coughs> do I have to do the voice? Yes, you do. Okay, okay. New episodes can be found at the Complete Marvel Reading Order website, cmro.travis-starns.com and clicking under the Podcasts tab. Or on iTunes by searching Complete Marvel Reading Order, or just search for the name of the show itself. Um, Dad, don't you think we should actually say the name of our show? Oh. Yeah! Avengers! Inspirations! Podcast! Listen and stuff. Yeah, good job, Dad. Thank you!
Okay, I'm back now, and I've got another comic book that I want to talk about. It's actually the very last in this mini-series that we've gone through. And for those of you who have made it this far, congratulations. This, I think, is the real payoff for this entire mini-series. This is... It isn't where the the story of Babs and Dick ends, necessarily, but it's where I guess this story kind of has to conclude, because let's face it, DC is never going to marry off Dick and Babs to one another in continuity as like a permanent thing. You know what? Fuck it. Now, maybe I'll be wrong, but I just, I can't imagine they'll ever do that, so... This, I suspect, is about as close as we're ever likely to get to them having a happily ever after with one another. So this is Nightwing Annual Number 2, published in 2007. And unlike a lot of the, uh, a lot of the comics that we've talked about up to this point, this is not actually written by Chuck Dixon, believe it or not. So, very strange. Writer is Mark Andreco. Mark Andreco, I guess is how you pronounce it. Penciler is Joe Bennett. Inker is Jack Jadson. Letterer is Phil Balsman. <laughs> Balsman. Colorist is Jason Wright. Associate editor is Rachel Gluckstern. Editor is Joan Hilty. Cover is by Bennett and Jadson. And special thanks to Bellardino Bravo wherever the hell that is. Anyway, the, the uh, synopsis goes a little something-something like this. One year ago, Dick Grayson pledged his heart to Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Oracle, then nearly lost his life during the Infinite Crisis. A year ago, during the final days of the Infinite Crisis at Gotham International Airport, Dick Grayson proposes to Barbara Gordon. He's about to leave to save the universe and truly doesn't know if he's ever going to return. He lost Barbara once and doesn't want to do so again. Elsewhere, in Metropolis, Nightwing fights alongside Batman against Alexander Luthor, Deathstroke, and others. Nightwing is hit by a blast from Alexander. Wonder Woman carries him to someplace safe, and Dr. Midnight works to save him. Nightwing hallucinates that he sees Barbara by his side, and suddenly, she gets pulled away. Nightwing jumps up to save her when he gets attacked by a zombie Batman and the upper torso of Deathstroke. He's told he's in hell, and he fights his way against others, and finally sees the Joker, who's about to shoot Barbara, at which time he wakes up. Dick's in bed, all bandaged up, with Barbara sitting next to him. He says he needs to get to Bloodhaven to help. Barbara tells him that the crisis is over. She gives him a chocolate malt from the place where they had their first date, and then tells him that he's been in a coma for three weeks. Flashback to their first date. Dick and Barbara skip patrol as Robin and Batgirl in order to get a bite to eat. Their date gets cut short, though, by a passing police car. They fight against Crazy Quilt as he tries to rob a bank. Crazy Quilt surprises them by using a hypno-helmet on them and locks them up inside a safe. Batgirl asks why he wears pixie boots and short pants, and Robin says it creates the illusion that he's just a kid, which gives him an, an extra element of surprise. Robin notices that Batgirl smells really nice. Then the safe is pulled from the back of the truck, being driven by Crazy Quilt as Batman manages to snag it with a line from the Batmobile. Robin tries to think clean thoughts as he finds himself having to hide a, shall we say, biological reaction to being in such close proximity to Batgirl, using his cape. Time goes by and, and Dick's trying to get himself back in shape to where he was before he was blasted. Barbara admits that she heard Robin's confession of love many years ago when he thought she was asleep. She didn't acknowledge it because so much else was going on, though. Batman and Robin were having problems, and the Teen Titans had just reformed. After giving it some time and thought, though, she was ready to be with Dick. Going to his apartment, his door is answered by a barely-dressed Starfire. Starfire never told Dick that Barbara came by since he was in the shower at that time. When, 
Barbara was shot by the Joker. Dick was away on, on Tamarin. He didn't find out what had happened until six months later. He then showed up at her place and they embraced each other. One thing led to another and, shall we say, they ended up in bed. The next morning, as Dick's getting dressed, he hands Barbara an envelope. Inside is an, is an engagement announcement for him and Corey. Outraged, Barbara kicks him out. They both continue to apologize to each other, and Nightwing continues to train himself. Dick and Barbara are trying to put the past behind him in order to have a future when Bruce calls. He tells Dick that he and Tim are going away on a long trip, and he wants Dick to join him. Bruce says that after the crisis, he needs to remember why it is that he's doing everything that he's doing, and he needs his family with him. He says he'll give him a few days to make his decision. Barbara tells Dick that she already knew about Bruce's request. He'd called her earlier to see how Dick was doing and if she, uh, and if she thought that he should go, and she told him yes. She gives him back the engagement ring and says that he needs to make an honest decision. The next morning, Dick finds himself alone. Barbara, Barbara's left him a note saying that they both know that he's got to go with Bruce. She says that she loves the man that he is and needs him to be happy with himself, too. He spent his whole life trying to figure out who he is. She needs him to figure out who Dick Grayson is. As he boards a ship with Bruce and Tim, Barbara finds a note in her place. Enclosed is a photo of Robin and Batgirl and the ring on a necklace. There's a note, too, that says no matter what, he's always going to love her and he will return to her. She says to herself that she's going to hold him to that promise. The end. So, what did I think? Like I say, guys, this truly is the, the culmination of this whole quest that I've taken you guys on in the course of this miniseries. And honestly... I dare not exaggerate in saying that this is one of my favorite comics of all time. One of my favorite Batman comics of all time, sure. But just one of my favorite comics of all time, point blank. I mean, there's so fucking much epic wrapped up in this, in, in this mini, not this mini series, I'm sorry, in this annual that I, I truly don't even know where to start. But... There's something to me that's just so poignant about Dick giving her an engagement ring and, you know, this, just this whole crazy life that they've had and their, uh, their very strange inability to, I guess, to, to get on the same page with one another. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not that... It's, uh, I mean, look, it's not that I'm unhappy with my life the way that it is right now, because I, I love my girlfriend and I, I wouldn't give this up for anything, but you know, there were others before her and there were instances where me and a certain someone just, we could not find a way to get onto the same page with one another at the same time. I mean, we were perpetually in uh, two different places. And ultimately, what you take away from experiences like that is that it just wasn't meant to be, you know? And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, in fiction, there's something that's just really powerful about characters who slowly but surely have to find a way to get on the same page with one another, even though at times they sometimes royally screw it up. So I don't know. This is just, and, and like I say, I mean, this whole issue, it would seem completely arbitrary. It would fall totally flat, but for the background of all of the other comics that we've talked about, because this was actually the last thing that I read when I, uh, you know, when I, started this whole uh, Dick and Bab sort of reading project. This was actually the very last thing that I read. And I got to tell you, if I just read this thing in a vacuum, I truly don't think it would have been 
as effective and as poignant uh, for me as it was, you know, having read those other comics first and sort of having that in just having that as context. But it's, it's again, you know, this very powerful reminder that these are this. I mean, I kind of have to use the word the, the the term old friends, but they're not friends exactly. And, you know, they've grown up with each other. I mean, you know, they were both mixed up teenagers when they first met in my mind. I've always assumed that Barbara is, you know, maybe three or four years older than Robin is. I don't know about three or four years old, but she's noticeably older than, than Robin is, but which is to say Dick, she's Babs is about maybe two, three, four years older than Dick. And so, you know, they, they're coming at life from very different, but at the same time, very similar backgrounds, very similar points of view, but who and what Batman is, is not who and what they are. Does that make sense? This sort of lonely, driven, obsessive existence that defines Batman's life, that does not define them. You know, the losses that they've suffered, the the struggles that they've had, the obstacles that they've had to overcome, those things don't define them. And there's a degree to which, yeah, they absolutely define Batman because he is who he is because he's, he saw his parents get shot to death whenever he was a kid, and from that moment on, Batman was his inescapable destiny, dare I say a curse. Not necessarily the case with Dick and Babs, though. Yes, there is a mission. Yes, they are committed to it. But their losses... I guess their losses... They're, they're not held back. They're not kept down by their losses and they're for as different as their backgrounds may be painful even at times they're coming at life still from a very similar point of view and when you think about it in those terms I think it's kind of inevitable that you know they would be not just attracted to each other they would fall in love you know like the kind of love that carries you for the rest of your life you know and and again I mean I this is a perspective that I truly don't think I would have had without you know the benefit of having first read those uh, those other comics that we've talked about in this miniseries and, and sort of going on that journey now I'm, I mean I'm sure there are things even still that I could do to flesh it out you know uh, I've never really read very much of the Teen Titans you know, the Marv Wolfman, George Perez era of uh, Teen Titans. I've just never really read a whole lot of that. So, you know, goings on with uh, Starfire and Dick and, you know, just the ups and downs of his love life, so to speak. Um, I just, I have no real perspective on that. You know, I've never really been invested in that. And so, anyway, that is... I don't know. I mean, that would probably, maybe that would fill things in further. I mean, I, I I truly do not know, but you know, the point is, you know, what I've read and what, and what I've talked about on this podcast, you know, is that's truly what makes this issue kind of sing for me, you know, and there is a believability to it that, you know, I, I look, I hate to say it, but you know, people do stupid things at times and one such is you know cheating on somebody to whom they're engaged the way that you know Dick did it with Babs and you know of course she's going to be hurt about that I mean you know she thought that this was something other than apparently it was and you know what that would that would sting and through it all though they've always been there for each other as as friends and partners and in a weird kind of way, peers with one another, you know? So even if they weren't necessarily on the same page with one another, you know, vis-a-vis marriage, they do have these other things to sustain their friendship, relationship, whatever you want to call it. And I don't know. I mean, 
you know, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, there's, there's a, there's a very relatable quality to it that I think a lot of us have been in situations like this. Now, no, I mean, the girl that I love has never come over to my apartment while I, you know, after I finished, you know, porking some alien chick, you know, um, that specifically has never happened. And she wasn't shot, uh, and then paralyzed by this murderous psychopathic clown. And then, you know, I mean, I don't mean it like that, but I mean, just this idea of, you know, people being unable to get onto the same page with one another because of just the craziness of life. I mean, whether you're a superhero or just a regular schnook, you know, sometimes life happens to you and the experiences that you have, I don't know. I mean, I, I can see where that would come between, you know, people at a, you know, after a certain point. And, you know, honestly, one of the things that really works for me about this issue is uh, that sort of killing joke moment where, you know, that point of view shot where uh, uh, Babs opens the door and then immediately gets blasted by the Joker. And I don't think I've ever talked about the killing joke on this podcast before at any kind of great length. And the reason for that is probably because I'm just not a very big killing joke fan. It's never really been my story. I mean, like there are people out there who would put that in like their top five or top 10 or top whatever Batman stories of all time. And that kind of scares me because I mean, that story is just so fucking nihilistic, you know? And yeah, you know, there's there's the argument that, you know, the goings-on of The Killing Joke as a story didn't just get swept under the rug. And, you know, talented writers and artists did things with, you know, Barbara Gordon having been paralyzed. Hell, we're reading one such comic now. And that's all fine and dandy, but I mean, just at the end of the day, this is the type of thing that I don't think should be in a comic book ostensibly meant for children you know so i just think that's way over the line and i don't care what anybody says to the contrary batman comics should always be accessible to children and i don't think the killing joke is i would never feel comfortable giving a copy of the killing joke to a child so that's a little bit of a problem for me but anyway to get it all back on topic though there's there's just one panel that could have been taken directly out of the killing choke. Like I said, it's that point of view shot that never actually appeared in the killing joke, but it's like it could have. It never did, but it could have been in it could have been a page in the killing joke. And it's just that one brief little moment and then that's it. And then from there, that is really the catalyst for, you know, Dick and Barbara going to bed for the first time and that's when it comes out that, hey, Babs, sorry about this, but I'm actually engaged to somebody, so, uh, oops. And, you know, just the twists and turns that life can sort of lead you on. It's just, it's a weird, fucked up, craziest life I've ever lived type of thing. So, I don't know. Just, all in all, this is a, this is just one of those issues that comes along sometimes, and it's a Valentine to who these characters are and the things that they've been through and honestly what they mean to each other and what they have meant to each other you know over the years you know maybe in some sense from day one you know literally from the day you know dick and babs ever you know ever since they first met there's a very strong argument that this is where their story was always gonna go you know the, from the day they met this was this was their destiny which is I don't know. And, it, and again, it just has this, you know, confused 20-something, don't know what the fuck you want out of life vibe to it. And But honestly, the, the moment that, that hits home, at least for me, is actually the very last page. And of course, they don't number the fucking pages, so I don't know what page number this is. But the last page of the story, that should be easy enough for you to find. Barbara sits there reading uh, the letter that Dick left behind for her, and Dick says, Babs, you're right, as almost always. Know this. 
No matter where I go, no matter how long I'm gone, I love you, Barbara, and I will come back to you someday. I promise. And Barbara smiles, she fingers the ring that she's wearing as a necklace, and she says, I'm gonna hold you to that one, Grayson. And <laughs> that is just fucking powerful, you know? And I think it's the sign of a great writer and a great story when you not only want more, but you want a happy ending for those characters, even though just from a dramatic standpoint, you know you it's never gonna happen. So that that plays. So and that is the end of this of this mini-series. I really do appreciate the patience that all of you have shown in following me along on this. This was, I know it was a real Lulu, six episodes of talking about a relationship that exists. It's, it's stolen glances and, you know, occasional, shall we say, intimate evenings, but this isn't the sort of rock-solid, stable, ongoing type of relationship of, say, a Linda Park and a Wally West, or a Clark Kent and a, and, and a Lois Lane. This is a little bit more measured, it's spaced out, and honestly at times it's barely even visible, but it's, it's always there. It's, it, in, in a strange kind of way, it never completely went away, even if it was never completely explicit either. And it's just, I would almost think that this was done intentionally, it was all planned out ahead of time. Except I know it probably couldn't have been, so so there's that. But anyway, I think that's pretty much it for me this week. So now as to next week, the way that it's the way that it is right now, and who knows what the future may bring, but at least the way that it is right now, I'm supposed to do another episode of uh, the Big Book Report with Chris Honeywell, and assuming all things have gone according to plan, this this is actually going to be the very last Big Book that Honeywell and I review together as uh, part of the big book uh, report series um, we may actually at some point in the future come back and do sort of a cleanup you know maybe check up stories from you know previous volumes that we just never got around to talking about but otherwise I think that's pretty uh, assuming all things have gone according to plan Tuesday July the 19th episode 157 is going to be the big book report for the freaks, the big book of freaks. And that's going to be the last one that we talk about. So, but who knows what the future may bring, like I say. So, I don't know. Anyway, so I think that's pretty much it for me this week. So, like I say, as to next week, big book report freaks, assuming all things have gone according to plan. So, bye everybody. I will see you next week. Enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Illogic, foolish emotions, a constant irritant, and transparent freaks. Two. Well, I'm in a circus. <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! Go away, Peyton! And now... <laughs>
together by live simulation via the internet. Your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Thank God they lucky to kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, she let's thought go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! Julia Shoe. I say shut up! It's a man home! A man home! Two truefreaks.com Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spalai, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Hola, suckeros! Moria Clawhammer here. Thanks to a tax loophole and a life insurance policy, I have an authentic Mexican taco stand. The explosive taqueria! Well... If you want a pound of burrito, or just get your tongue on a taco, well, get off your ass, take a waco. Come throw some meat down your throat. If you want some food, here's a thingo. You don't want to eat like a gringo. Have some Mexican grub with some zingo. Taco sauce that explodes in your mouth. At the Explosive Taqueria in South DeManzaville, we have every kind of goddamn Mexican food you crave. We got chimichangas, ensalada, churros, chupacarnes, deep-fried jalapeno pooper, churritos, the famous taco shake. Taco shake discontinued. Triple refried baked beans, choritos, chimichibas, chimichochas, the Commodore's nachos, and the ever-popular endless burrito bowl. All prepared by our authentic Mexican cook, Manuel. My name is David. I'm from Bolivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the ladies, we have the Tila Tequila, a tiny taco, but you'll be amazed how much beef and cheese we can stuff in there. For the daredevil, we have the El Pollo Croco, a full chicken stuffed with four soft-shell tacos, two beef burritos, and two sides of your choice, deep-fried and slathered in taco sass. The taco sauce with sass. So lock down your sphincter and come on down. The Explosive Taqueria, 312 Elm Street, South DeManzaville. Tell them Maury Clawhammer sent you. Arriva Dirty. Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com which is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can also find it on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. 
You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trentusmagnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Did you know? You can sponsor any episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. Simply click the PayPal link, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing, and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there's no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a cut of what you buy. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it really helps the freaks out. You get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law some assembly required, batteries not included. Do not remove this tag under penalty of law. All models are over the age of 18. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with DeMonzacore of Milan, Italy.